Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the living bread, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to read this portion of this gospel lesson as our text for today. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Here ends our text. Perhaps struggling with some of those tunes, look at the words of that second verse. Christ, the living bread from heaven, food for body, food for soul. Christ, the manna daily given, nourish, strengthen, and make us whole. Feed us with the food of heaven, foretaste of the feast to be, quench our thirst with living water, springing up eternally. Some of you who are mature enough to remember the days of the late 60s and the early 70s might remember that there was a rock group called Bread. In the back of our minds, we were wondering, well, is it possible that this, that this group called Bread may have actually had some kind of Christian thought behind that, you know? The idea of maybe picking up on this theme of Jesus as the bread from heaven or the bread of life. Well, it turns out that in 1969, the group was caught in a traffic jam and sat behind a Wonder Bread truck, and that's how they got their name. Well, they probably knew that there was some sort of spiritual application to this name, and interestingly enough, in 1971, they wrote a song called Manna. Well, and then a little bit later, they wrote another song saying, It Don't Matter to Me, and then later they wrote another song called Sweet Surrender, and I'd like to use those three songs from bread to perhaps illustrate what this text is really all about. Manna. There's no doubt in this text that Jesus is referring to what happened to the Israelites back there in the wilderness when they left Egypt some 1,400 years before Christ. Those people left Egypt, and for 40 years, God left this substance called manna on the floor of the desert. And every day, they would go out and they would gather just one day's supply of food. And this manna, this what is it, was a bread, in a sense, that came from heaven. It was an unknown substance, but certainly it said something, didn't it, that God was going to take care of those people every single day. It was sent by him to preserve them and to give them life. But behind it all was something greater, and it meant that, therefore, there were two kinds of eating which the Israelites were supposed to do. One, of course, was the eating of the body, as referenced in this hymn, this eating of the body, where they would take the manna for the purpose of preserving their life as they were living in the desert. But the other was a different kind of eating. We call it the eating of the soul. 
It is where the heart and the soul looks beyond the temporal bread and sees the grace and the kindness and the mercy of a living God. And that open mouth of the soul comes to eat the very words, the very heart, the very disposition of the gracious God that actually gave that gift. When Jesus, therefore, says that he is the bread of heaven, he puts it in a perhaps even a more profound way. I am the bread of heaven. The I am, going all the way back to that story where Moses was speaking there to God in the burning bush, and he said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, Jesus would say later on, but the God of the living. He is the great I am. That Jesus is the one who has come down from heaven, and the eating that he was referring to was an eating of the soul that believes and trusts in what it is that God says. But God doesn't necessarily separate the eating of the soul from the eating of the body, does he? It's in the same chapter that Jesus will then turn to his disciples and he will say, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have no life in you. Mystery is that God not only calls upon us to open up the mouths of our souls and to eat his words, meaning that we trust and believe in him, but he also calls upon us to open up our physical mouths and to eat something mysterious to us. This is my body, this is my blood. And it is in both forms of eating that we as Christians come to be sustained and kept in this faith. We, of course, say that this eating is necessary for our life. L-I-F-E, life, meaning not just physical life, but our spiritual life. And what is, what is it that we're eating in these words of Jesus that he gives to us? He says to us, we will never be hungry or thirsty. Kind of brings us back to that story of Jesus meeting that Samaritan woman at the well, right? She comes to that well, a sinful woman who has had five men, five husbands. The man she's living with now is not even her husband. She's trying to avoid all the other ladies in town by going out to the well by noon. She's a person with a very soiled past. And Jesus tells her that if she knew who she was speaking to, he would give her some water that she could drink from and never be thirsty again. What was Jesus speaking about? Words, water, that would, thirst, give, uh, would satisfy the thirst of her soul. The thirst of her soul that wants meaning, the thirst of her soul that wants truth, the thirst of her soul that wants forgiveness, the thirst of her soul that wants the hope of everlasting life, the thirst of her soul that wants certainty. And to her, he reveals himself unlike to anybody else, that he was the Christ. She drank, and she never thirsted again. We are called upon to eat these words. Jesus said them. He will never drive us away. No matter how bad, no matter how sinful, no matter how wrong, 
no matter how desperate, no matter how depressed, no matter how whatever, Jesus tells us he will never, ever drive us away. And the soul is called upon to open our mouths and to eat those words for life. He tells us that he was sent to accomplish the will of his Father. Comforting to know, because by being sent to do the will of his Father, it comes for us to explain why Jesus had come into this world. For what reason? For the purpose of redeeming us. To redeem is to buy us back from where we were in slavery to sin and death. He came for the purpose of obtaining the forgiveness of our sins, which we could not obtain ourselves. He came for the purpose of raising our bodies out of death, raising our bodies out of decay, raising our bodies together with our souls that we might live with him in eternal life. Hard for us to open up our souls, the mouths of our souls, and to eat those words because they are so incomprehensible. But we have to. That's why that second song of bread goes, it don't matter to me. Maybe some of you remember the words. We can look back in time and we can see why it is that there were people who couldn't eat Jesus' words. The Jews at that time had a very hard time being able to understand some of the things that Jesus was saying. The very fact that this lowly man who had been born of a woman was the incarnate Son of God. Almost impossible to eat those words. If we look back in time, how difficult it is for men to reason through this idea that God actually could put his own salvation into flesh and blood. Not just that, but that he could tie that salvation in flesh and blood to something as tangible as the Lord's Supper, where the body and the blood of Christ are present for the forgiveness of our sins. We must sit back for a moment and grasp the peril of our own hour because it is a dangerous and difficult thing for us to actually open our mouths and eat these words of Christ. That's why we also have a third tune called Sweet Surrender. Sweet Surrender. Does anybody have picky eaters in their family? I noticed last night when I was saying this, all of a sudden everybody started looking at their kids and started talking with them about this. What's a picky eater? A picky eater is somebody who simply turns up their nose, has it fixed in their mind that they don't like a certain food, and when it comes to that table, they don't want to eat that food no matter what you do. Our grandparents never understood that, especially if they went through the Depression. But a picky eater is a tough, a tough cookie, tough nut to crack. That, of course, makes it all this much sweeter when that day comes and that kid finally says, you know, 
I think I'll try some broccoli. And they open up their mouth, and in goes the broccoli, and the broccoli tastes good, and they say, you know, I like broccoli. We call that a sweet surrender. A sweet surrender. The, the human nature, we said it in our baptism today, the human nature, by its nature, does not want to eat God's word. By its nature, it doesn't want to eat God's word for a couple of reasons. One is that when we eat that word, it becomes extremely bitter because it has to reveal to us our fallen and sinful nature and the hopelessness of our own abilities to be able to save ourselves. It reveals to us something that's bigger than just the immediate life and the day-to-day -day things that we are doing on a daily basis that distract us and keep us from that day that's going to come, that day of judgment. And then, of course, come the sweeter words of God in the gospel that tell us then that God has now pardoned those sins and he's put away those sins and he's forgiven us for those sins. But by nature, we don't want to hear God's word. It's also true that we don't want to open our mouths and eat that sacred meal called the Lord's Supper. When Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no life in you. You know what the disciples did? They left him because that's so irrational. That's something that runs so contrary to our human nature. But there's a point in this. The point is that because it is so contrary to our human natures, when all of a sudden that sweet surrender comes, it is the work of God himself in us. And this is what it is that Jesus said. He said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And then he goes on to say, I will raise him up on the last day. He who believes in me has eternal life. Adeline today, that little baby that was in the arms of her mother, that little baby actually opened up her mouth today even though we didn't see it. She opened up her mouth and she ate the words of God that were given to her in her baptism and she received everlasting life. So the question before us is this. Does it matter to you? Does it matter to you that Jesus is the bread of heaven and that this bread that is eaten with the heart and with the soul and the bread that is eaten with our mouths as we take of the Lord's Supper, that this bread is given by God for the purpose of giving us eternal life? Listen to those words of Jesus in John 8. I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, the word there, tereo, means he hangs on to, clings on to my word, he will never see death. Eat those words. Because I can tell you truly and honestly, that is the true wonder bread from heaven. Amen. May this peace of God surpasses all human understanding. Guard and keep your thoughts and your minds, your faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.